0: Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers, and today we are joined by the one and only Kelly Minter, one of my favorite people to talk to about Scripture, interview about Scripture, anything. Listen, y'all know Kelly, if you've listened to the She Reads Truth Podcast for any amount of time, she is so Fun? I don't know if fun is the right word to talk to, but I just learn from her every time she sits down with us. And especially, we're studying the book of Ezekiel right now for Lent, and Kelly knows her stuff. And she is a student of the Word, and Ezekiel is no exception to that. Y'all, if you don't know Kelly, when she's not singing or writing or speaking, you can find her picking homegrown vegetables with her six nieces and nephews or riding a boat along the Amazon. I'm not kidding about that. She does a lot of work with Justice and Mercy International. She is fantastic. And so is this episode. Let's get right to it. All right, Kelly, let's jump right in. You recently released a Bible study called Encountering God, Cultivating Habits of Faith Through the Spiritual Disciplines. The big spiritual disciplines, yes. Yes. Okay, so here we are in week four of Lent 2022. It's spiritual discipline time. Let's talk spiritual disciplines for a minute. Yeah. Spiritual disciplines are a part of the Christian life. Yes. Not exclusively a part of the Christian calendar. Right, right. But talk to us about spiritual disciplines as they relate to Lent. Yeah. And there are seasons, though, I do think, yes.
1: in the in the calendar of the church yes, that you ma'am. do think more about the disciplines. And Lent is definitely one of those mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when I was writing the study, I was treating things like everything from God's Word, studying His Word, to prayer, to worship, the things that we're all pretty accustomed to, mm-hmm. but then all the way down to things like solitude. And Bible meditation or like reflection yeah. on passages of scripture generosity mm-hmm. celebration yeah. which is definitely a spiritual discipline uh, serve acts of service and celebration is um, a great one for Advent yes exactly Thanksgiving <laughs> yes, and, yeah yes yeah.
0: so, exactly yeah
1: celebration and Thanksgiving you know you might get more mm-hmm. focus mm-hmm. in the fall and the to be clear, calendar
0: Kelly is not talking about the holiday Thanksgiving. She's talking about the spiritual discipline of Thanksgiving. Yes,
1: gratefulness and all of those things. So, yes, it was a great study. It was really interesting because it kind of ended up being almost like a primer on the Christian life, where you really are kind of touching every element of what it means to be a believer. And I think, too, the disciplines, even like Lent, where it's a time of stripping and we're and, and it is a more reflective, sobering time. That really does free us in a lot of ways. And we might think like, oh, just one more discipline. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, my goodness, Ezekiel, this mm-hmm. is so heavy, <laughs> and it's Easter. and uh, And we just want to jump to Easter eggs and all that. But it really does purify us and put us in a place where we have more capacity, more bandwidth. That's and right. And the disciplines yeah. are meant to be freeing and life-giving. And I think sometimes we think of them as repressive and another thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's not— Something to fill our calendars
0: or our days. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so I think Lent is always a good—even in the stripping and the kind of the simplicity, which is, simplicity is actually another spiritual discipline. Right. This is a great time to practice those things and see ways where some of the other things that we In our life, might be robbing us from just a fullness and a peace and a freedom and a joy. So
0: that's so good. I think that we so often think Lent fasting, but I love that you're like, no, like, simply, there are these other disciplines of both addition and subtraction that can really be intentionally incorporated into ordinary time, but also into Lent, where like. What if you practiced the spiritual discipline of simplicity, mm-hmm. and not just like I'm going to try and make things more simple in my life, but actually looking at what Scripture says yeah. about simplicity and how that's modeled and taught, right? Pairing back. Yeah. I mean, we just have yeah. so much excess. In, that's right.
1: You know, taking this particular season leading up to Easter, and I will tell you that Easter has meant so much more to me since I started practicing Lent. That's and I right. did not grow up in a tradition that practiced it. It was sort of like, oh, isn't that what all the Catholic friends do at high school and they give up chocolate right, or whatever? Right. It's like it was just felt like this really legalistic thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a number of years ago that someone began to just really teach me about this practice that I think is absolutely based off of biblical principles throughout Scripture. Yes, And I'm pretty committed to practicing Lent every single year. It has become a standard season of my year where I I set certain things aside Mm -hmm. and where I'll grab a Lenten devotional Mm -hmm. and I will really commit every day. And it's a nice chunk because it's longer than 30 days. You know, it's like, what, 42 days or something? It's seven weeks, yeah. 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 So it's long. But by the time you get to Easter... Mm It is so refreshing, not just because you're like, oh, wow, okay, spring's here and I can get back to some of these things that I was fasting from, but it's because no, every single day of those seven weeks, I was thinking about what Easter means and what the resurrection means. And the Lord was, yeah, setting my mind on it. Yeah. So I love love that that you guys, that she reads truth, is committed to this, and Ezekiel is no joke. No joke. What a good season. No book of the Bible is a joke. We all agree. (laughs) This is true. This is true, but But this one, yeah. Yeah, but if I was going to pick any time of the year of the church calendar to study Ezekiel, this would definitely be the time.
0: I agree. I agree. I mean, we always ask the question, you know, whether it's Exodus or Isaiah or what, like, why that book of the Bible for Lent? And we've found that any book of the Bible that points to Jesus— which is all of them is mm-hmm. a really excellent book to study mm-hmm. during Lent. However, I have to agree. Uh-huh. Ezekiel for Lent taking the like that big chunk of judgment, mm-hmm. prophetic judgment against God's people mm-hmm. and a chunk of prophetic judgment against the nations, the nations uh-huh. and then a call to hope. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like the model of Lent.
1: Right. Well, and it's why Jesus had to come. And yeah. we see, you know, one of the scholars I was reading was just basically saying that
0: none of the prophets saw as much wickedness as Ezekiel. And it's like woo. And he Kelly, he was young. Like yeah. he was 30. Uh-huh. And what we are gonna read on day one of this week, mm-hmm. and we'll get to this, but with his wife dying, he was 35.
1: Yeah. And twenty-five when he got taken into exile. That's right. Yeah. So very, very young, and sees all of this evil and just really the height, if you will, of sin and darkness. But I will say this, though. One of the things that was really helpful for me in studying this book, and I hope it'll be helpful for those who are listening, is to really make Ezekiel a real person, okay? Yes. So remember that—and I love the timeline, by the way. So you you have this oh, yeah.
0: lovely, lovely timeline. Okay, let's tell them what page it's on, because y'all with the study books, it is on pages 118 and 119, and I I read that this week, too, and it was so— Helpful to me because you get, just like on one spread, you get to see where Ezekiel, Daniel, Josiah, Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther, like where they're all kind of like contemporaries of each other. Where everybody falls. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's really helpful to see that in, you guys have it listed here, in 597, yeah, 597 BC, that's when Ezekiel gets exiled to Babylon. Right. Okay? So that, I love that because think about this. So, and this was a game changer for me. He was in Judah, he's in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and he's, at the time, he's under Josiah's reign. So Josiah, if you go back into your, if you brush up on your history of Israel's kings, Josiah was the great reformer. Mm-hmm. He was the right. He finds the book of the law and the temple, and everybody had just like completely walked away from it. The Torah, God's revelation of himself and how he wants Israel to live. So Ezekiel's growing up under this. Yeah. And his parents and like you are said, like young. Young, and he's a priest. He's from a family of priests. He's a Levite. So think about the parents are like, wow, and Ezekiel, he's being groomed in Jerusalem right. to be a priest under this great reformer and a yeah. righteous king. yeah. So we can only surmise that Ezekiel had learned the book of the law, mm-hmm. that there was hope in the air for mm-hmm. Israel, that there was going to be restoration, and that he had dreams of being a priest and serving in the temple in Jerusalem. Man. And where do we find ourselves today in this story well, he gets exiled. Yeah. He is in Babylon. He will experience the most traumatic event of Israel's existence when God's glory up and leaves
0: yeah. the temple. Yeah. So he's 25, he gets exiled five years later. And he's left to like be the guy to like struggle through describing what that even looked like for the rest of us. And he's living among a suffering people, a
1: dislocated people. They've had loss, they've had trauma. And now he's not going to be a priest. He's now going to be a prophet. And that is a really interesting thing that I think we can easily miss about Ezekiel the person is mm-hmm. that he was both priest and prophet. But That's there right. was this massive shift. Yeah. So you think about his life; he has all these dreams. His parents have these dreams for him. Uh, yeah. No, he's in exile in Babylon. There's distress. There's all kinds of brokenness. God appears to him, basically says, "You're going to be. You're going to minister to the down and downtrodden and yeah. broken all around here that are in exile." While I'm leaving the temple, while Jerusalem is being, you know, ransacked, because that happens about ten years later, and so all of his dr- not, like none of his dreams are what we thought they right. were going to be. And now he's he's not a priest like helping ten people. He's a prophet like speaking truth to in, nations to nations and in dark places. And he's having to role play all of these awful hard things. Yeah. And, And so I guess to me, like keeping all of this in mind is really helpful, especially for any of us. And I'm not looking at myself right now, of course, but like for any of us that are going through kind of a stripping season, you know, where you're just feeling like broken down and stripped down, which I can relate to right now. And where you feel like, okay, Lord, but I had
0: such clear vision Mm -hmm. and now you have me over here. I was, in fact, I was pretty sure you were preparing preparing me for something Yeah, that kind of felt promised even. Yes. Yeah. But we will see
1: that preparation isn't lost because he does know. Mm -hmm. because he knows the Torah, and we'll get to this in just a minute, but because he knows it, he knows that God has made a covenant with his people. And he knows that no matter how far he scatters them, he will be faithful to bring them back. He knows that God had made a promise to his forefather Abraham and that he would be committed to Israel. So he's keeping that all, holding on to that while he watches the glory of the Lord leave the temple, while he watches utter wickedness, while he basically sees God, what looks like God forsaking his people, but God will return his people from exile. So that's a little bit of the, just kind of, I think some of the things as I was refreshing my own memory of just what's important to me about keeping in mind Ezekiel the person.
0: And for me, even just like physically to picture this guy, because I always thought of Ezekiel as either like big long beard like Moses... (laughs) Or, like, bald like Elijah, right? Yeah, yeah. But he's just, like, a young guy. Also, this might be a complete ADD moment, and, like, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I— I'm thinking about this like he was being trained to be a priest and he became a prophet. Uh-huh. And like the person that immediately makes me think of is Zechariah and John the Baptist. Because mm-hmm. Zechariah also a levite like yeah. he's a priest and he has a son and his name is John but yes. he was not born to be a priest the kind of yeah. He uh-huh. was born to be a prophet. A forward, In fact the yes. last prophet before yeah. Jesus came. And instead of you know where Ezekiel's seen like his vision is the glory of God leaving the temple. John the Baptist's vision is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh-huh. Like it's like the temple coming to earth. Yes, yes, yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah, like, no,
1: totally. Because and it's like because we have even our even our spiritual plans, even our yeah. ministry plans that Zechariah might have had for John the Baptist, or that Ezekiel's parents might have had for him. Our faith is not our parents' faith. Yeah, and our goal is not our parents' role. It's going to shift in the kingdom. Yeah, some of those things, and I think that. You know, yeah, there was a lot there. Um, I love the scholar Christopher Wright, but he wrote a lot about this and just basically saying, you know, the lonely, the friendless, the unpopular role of being a prophet, the mouthpiece of Yahweh. And that was not really, I don't think what Ezekiel was Ugh. initially initially seeking.
0: But that's so, good, Callie. Like, I feel like that, like, the unpopular role, and we're going to see that, I mean, in kind of a great number of ways mm-hmm, this week, mm-hmm. the the sorrowful role of being a prophet. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, not easy. So. I mean, even, like, I know that, like, we finished about half of Chapter 23 last week, the two immoral sisters. Yeah. Um, and that— Tough, Yeah. And so it actually kind of concludes at the start of this week. And like even that, like talk about being like having to say hard things. Mm -hmm. I mean, that story is hard and it flows from there into this parable of Mm -hmm. the boiling pot in Mm -hmm. chapter 24 At first, I was like, no, wait, that's a sign act. And then I realized, no, 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 this literally is he's just telling a story. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. one of the parables that is not acted out like a sign act. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, let's talk about this boiling pot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Remember, too, that when it happens. So, it comes in verse 2. He says, the king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. So, this is the lowest one of the darkest seasons, if not the darkest in biblical Israelite history. It's good to
0: mark that. So I think it is good to mark that. Um, And in fact, the verse one says, the word of the Lord came to me in the ninth year, Mm -hmm. the 10th month, the 10th day of the month. Mm -hmm. Son of man, write down today's date date this very day. Yeah, this is a
1: big one. And Mm -hmm. when you go back into Israel's history, you'll see that 587 or 586. I don't know if you guys have 586 BC. That's always that marker Mm -hmm. of like, Ooh, because before remember the Northern kingdom, the northern tribe, the ten tribes of the north had already been exiled mm-hmm. to Assyria and they'd kind of been switched around and but now now it's Judah. Right. Now it's Jerusalem. It's the temple. I mean, it was not supposed to happen.
0: And it stands to reason that the hardest, darkest things that are like that you want to block out of your memory are happening here at this time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean, and you said even before we hit record on this episode, like you were just like, if you're gonna read Ezekiel, you have to read the whole book. Like, yeah, you need to read the chapters as they come and to know, that's not to say those listening that like, if you've just picked up here, I think also, we would really encourage you probably to go back and like, listen to the episodes, read what we've read with you. But also, like, we do want you to keep don't like stop listening. Mm-hmm.
1: That right, matters. Right. Too. Yeah. No, 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 absolutely not, because this definitely sits in a whole context. But if you look at this at the very end of this parable about the boiling pot, he says, verse 14, I the Lord have spoken, it is coming, and I will do it. I will not refrain. I will not show pity, and I will not relent. I will judge you. But listen to what? According to your ways and deeds. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, too, that I was just, as I was kind of preparing for this, too, one of the commentators was pointing out that it wasn't enough just to be from the tribe of Judah that's right. or just to be an Israelite and mm-hmm. just think well i'm just going to ride the coattails of my forefathers or of Abraham Isaac Jacob or whatever their ways and their deeds matter yeah and they are going to be judged not for their parents not for parents beliefs or anything but for their ways mm-hmm. and for their deeds that's right and you just couldn't ride the coattails and i oh man i think that we do that don't we yes. even in our own culture and society where we
0: think well I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. Whether it you be know. of the people, like of our parents or the people around us. Last week we read. I don't remember which chapter it was in, but he God was saying like, hey, no longer use the parable. The parents ate a green apple and the children got a yep, belly Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And
0: like, that's not it. Like, uh-huh. the soul pays for the sins of the soul. Yep. I think it was like the soul that sins dies yeah. and the soul that repents lives. Uh-huh. That seemed to be a shift
1: because before everybody kind of thought, well, we're just kind of grandfathered in, you know, and it's yep. like, no, I care. And this, again- and I'm this, a part of a Christian family. Exactly. And I love this quote, again, there's no security in tradition or position in the kingdom of God if the claims of privilege are not matched by love for God Mm. and one's fellow human beings. Mm. And I thought that just was like, the love for God has to match. And I think practically for us today, what does that mean? We cannot ride the coattails of anyone's faith. Mm -hmm. We are going to be judged individually individually, Mm -hmm. and by who we are before God. He's going to judge them according to their ways and their deeds. And um, yeah, and then right after that, his wife dies. Yeah. And Let's read some, some of Rachel, that actually. Come on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll let the, you take
0: it away since I just left it out of my paper, you know, completely. <laughs> this is your chance to bring it back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to read some of it and I'll we'll kind of decide as we go how much of it to read, but it will help y'all listening if you haven't read yet today to get the context for what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. In chapter 24, verse 15, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I am about to take the delight of your eyes away from you with a fatal blow. You must not lament or weep or let your tears flow. Groan quietly, do not observe mourning rites for the dead. Put on your turban and strap your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your mustache or eat the bread of mourners. I spoke to the people in the morning and my wife died in the evening. The next morning I did just as I was commanded. Then the people asked me, "'Won't you tell us what these things you are doing mean for us?' So I answered them, "'The word of the Lord came to me. "'Say to the house of Israel, "'This is what the Lord God says. "'I'm about to desecrate my sanctuary, "'the pride of your power, the delight of your eyes, "'and the desire of your heart.'" Also, the sons and daughters you left behind will fall by the sword. Then you will do just as I have done. You will not cover your mustache or eat the bread of mourners. And he goes on to say that you will not get to do any of the funeral rituals that you feel like you need to do. Now Ezekiel will be a sign for you. You will do everything that he has done. When this happens, you will know that I am the Lord God.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That is the part where I was like, yeah, I don't really know what to do with right. this passage. But it does help us, I think, when we realize that Ezekiel losing his wife is, I don't want to say synonymous, but it's like a symbol of God losing the temple. Because this is where That's it's right. not just Jerusalem is being attacked, mm-hmm. like we talked about a few minutes ago mm-hmm. on that date. But now he says, I'm about to desecrate my sanctuary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that probably was the, if there was a low moment, that was probably the lowest moment of the low moment. Mm -hmm. And so here is Ezekiel losing his wife, the love of his life, everything to him, Mm -hmm. and he can't even mourn for it. I don't know the answer to this. I'd have to study this, but I do remember thinking, is part of the reason God saying that you can't mourn was it was like, Even mourning is a gift for us, right? Our ability to grieve and to cry and to lament and to, you know, even back then with sackcloth and ashes, I mean, I think there was something probably, we probably don't know how to mourn enough, but even that was a gift and even that gift was being removed. That's right. So it was like loss and even the loss of mourning. So there was
0: no way to even deal with such incredible grief, even just to think of mourning as a way to honor life, yes, right? You yes. know, like part mm-hmm. like it's actually encouraged the tears that we shed honor the life mm-hmm. that was lived and lost, right. Mm-hmm. And so like he doesn't even get the chance to honor the life that to was that. Yeah. yeah, And so I think, again,
1: as hard as it is for us, I think it's an even stronger picture of what the Lord mm-hmm. was going through mm-hmm. when He lost His temple and His people turned their back on Him yeah. and they were idolatrous. And I think we think that it doesn't hurt the Lord. I think we mm. think that our sin doesn't hurt Him and that our yeah. pride doesn't hurt Him and our idolatry doesn't hurt Him. That it might cost us something, but it's not going to hurt him. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I think that's good. that Ezekiel's wife dying, I think, is a symbol of how much hurt and pain God's people had put the Lord through. Yeah. And I think yeah. we
0: don't see that enough. And I that's think good. some of this is, I think some of this is a sign of that. Man. And then we read in verse 25, and remember from, I think, chapter 3, maybe chapter 2, y'all can fact-check me, that God told Ezekiel he's going to be mute. So he cannot speak on behalf of the people to God. He can only talk with God and say things to the people that God told him to say. Other than that, he has been mute. And then verse 25, it says, As for you, son of man... Know that on the day I will take from them their stronghold, their pride and joy, the delight of their eyes, and the longing of their hearts, which of course is a parallel to his wife, as well as their sons and daughters. On that day, a fugitive will come to you and report the news. On that day, your mouth will be opened to talk with him. You will speak and no longer be mute. So, you will be a sign for them, and they will know that I am the Lord. Mm -hmm. So at this point Ezekiel is no longer mute, but it's not really like a happy time because they're saying that like somebody's gonna come and and share the bad news.
1: Right. Yeah, this is just the worst. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really is the darkest, Mm -hmm. the darkest time. I don't know that it ever gets lower than this. And so yeah, and then after this, they will know that I'm the Lord. I think we have yeah. talked to you just yeah. about, you said that you've been going through that in yeah. this series, and that's a refrain that's throughout right. that. And honestly, I feel like today, even in our day and age, there's been so many unexpected things and so many hard things that have happened on a global level. Mm-hmm. And I think some of us have kind of had to wake up and go, oh yeah, I am not. God. <laughs> I'm not in control. And I say that to myself, yeah. like, oh, I'm not as in control as I thought I was going to be. Yeah. You know, I thought I was going to do this and go here and do it. And then, I, oh, okay, wow. There's a lot else going on on this globe that is totally outside of my control. That's right. And so we keep
0: going back to this, they will know. Yeah. They will know that I am the Lord God. and then And then this is the shift mm-hmm. between chapter 24 and chapter 25, mm-hmm. where now we're moving from the judgment on Judah to now the judgment on the nations. And as I was reading this, Kelly, I was just thinking like, what's the mindset to have as, I mean, I'm a Gentile believer, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But also just like, I'm grafted into the family of God. So I'm I'm in the family of Mm -hmm. God. And so sometimes when I read judgment on the nations, I'm like, it's an outward point, right? Like, there they are, and this is a hard thing. But like, how should we read these as believers? Well, I mean, (laughs) that's a huge
1: (laughs) question. That's a great question, Rachel. That's a big one. Thanks. I mean, I do think, so, right, you go back to Genesis chapter 12 and God's covenant with Abraham. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's going to make Abraham into a great nation. That's right. But he says, through Abraham, all nations on the earth will be blessed. That's right. So you kind of have this thing in the Old Testament where you have Israel, and it has God's special blessing but the nations around it are taking note they can see and every so often you get a ruth from moab mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. ooh okay mm-hmm. or you get a rahab mm-hmm. you know from canaan or you get tamar I mean you you see god working with these gentiles that are coming in at different points and we get these hints of the gospel mm-hmm. that's going out but then when jesus comes it kind of operates backward instead of the nations sort of looking in now the believers are to go what out into all right. the nations. Yeah. We are to cover the entire globe with the gospel. And so, yes, in Old Testament history, it did feel more nationalistic and yeah. more about a people, but we cannot ever forget that in Genesis 12, God from the very beginning said, no, this is eventually so that all nations on earth will be blessed, and I will be a blessing that. through you. That's right. And that is still holding true and strong. And I think it's holding true in this Old Testament text of That's Ezekiel right. that eventually... Yeah, All nations are going to be blessed. And and I thought this was interesting. In chapter 25, verse 6, this is the judgment against Ammon. So this is one of those enemy territories. Mm-hmm. But he says, For this is what the Lord God says, Because you clapped your hands, stamped your feet, and rejoiced over the land of Israel with wholehearted contempt, yeah. therefore I'm about to stretch out my hand against you. So this is really interesting. So God is dealing zealously with yes. Israel's sin. Yeah. But he also is like, okay, hold on, putting pause there, yeah. i want to move over to these nations. Hey, you came against my people. Okay, That's I'm right. against... It's sort of I'm like, dealing with them yes, here. exactly. Yeah. It's like you can talk about, like, I can talk about this person who's yeah. really annoying, yeah. like my mom or my dad or whatever, but if you say something about my yeah. mom or my dad, now I'm going to be mad, right? Or you, know? or you can be so, like, yeah, my kid's in trouble and we're yeah, dealing with yes, it, yeah. but don't you pick on my don't, kid. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah co- exactly. <laughs> and so the Lord's coming against, they're still, the nations are still held accountable That's right for the way that they have treated Israel. The way they have treated God's people and the way they have treated God, mm-hmm. the one true God, and so we see him like kind of turning. So God's mad at everybody right now, <laughs>
0: but yeah, but not. Again, here's if the thing we know about love, God. Though. There's like, love though. Coming his behind character us. doesn't change. Mm-hmm. It doesn't become a little bit more this sometimes and a little bit more this the other time. Right. Like he is. Always just. He is yes. always 100% loving. He is always 100% merciful. So, like, we know, even like going back to last week, chapter 18, verse 32 I take no pleasure in anyone's death. Yes. Repent and live. Yes. Right? Uh huh. Like, we know that that's hard. That's we're not getting it, a different God, God in verse perish. 20 or in chapter no. 25. Mm-mm. Right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. And he's going to use Nebuchadnezzar, the same. King of Babylon that's gonna take out Jerusalem. He's gonna use him. We see in, you know, chapter twenty-six, verse seven, I'm about to bring King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon against Tyre. Yeah. So he's he, he's like Alisha, them against each yeah, other. He's getting yeah. you know, he's getting everywhere. And we were talking, you know, too. I think one of the interesting things is just Tyre was so wealthy mm-hmm. and you know, you would yes. I know there's information that you have on Tyre, but I think one of the things that really just nailed it for me, and this yeah. is like ouch, and it's out of chapter 28, verse 5, but he says, by your great skill in trading, you have increased your wealth, but your heart has become proud because of your wealth. And it's like, ooh. Like, that's a word for our day. Yes, ma'am. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have skills in all kinds of things. Yeah. But that skill that brings us wealth and then our hearts become proud and we think we've done this and ourselves. There's our idols, yep. And then there's the idol and the Lord's like he's going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But talk about Tyre because I know that there's some
0: Well, just like geographically, Tyre is uh it's on the water, which we actually yeah. see like it's actually like described training. later yeah. on as mm-hmm. like a ship that like mm-hmm. sinks. So Tyre is it's actually a Phoenician city-state. And it's just like, it's all wealth, all commerce, all trade. All the nations really like look to it for its, depend on them for its beauty and for its like commerce and like support of their economies. Uh-huh. So like tire's the place. Uh-huh. Think of it as like Manhattan. Yes, yes. Right? Like everything, yeah. like the fashion center's there. Everything is coming in and going out. And everyone is kind of dependent on getting to interact with tire. Yes. And in fact, we see in chapter 27, the sinking of tire. Let me see, which part do I want to read?
1: Well, verse 12, I think is cool. It says, Tarshish was your trading partner because of your abundant wealth
0: of every kind. That's right. I mean, that's a lot of wealth when you have it of every single kind. That's right. And the cool thing about chapter 27, and I think also in 26, there is, yeah, in 26, there are a couple of little sections that are like kind of set in like a poetic meter that's called a funeral dirge.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So in
0: 26, uh, verses 17 through 18, it's a funeral dirge about Tyre, where it says, How you have perished, city of renown, you who were populated from the seas. She was as powerful on the sea. She and all of her inhabitants inflicted their terror. Now the coastlands tremble, and the day of your downfall, the islands and the sea are alarmed by your demise. And then it goes Mm -hmm. on in chapter 27, there are actually... It's sort of like one long funeral dirge for Mm -hmm. Tyre, and it's got a couple of like prose interludes in there. But even like it says, Tyre, you declared, I am perfect in beauty. Your realm was in the heart of the sea. Your builders perfected your beauty. They constructed all your planking with pine trees from Sinir. They took a cedar from Lebanon to make a mast for you. And it goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And then you get to verses 28 and 29. And here's where like the downfall of this one city doesn't just affect this one city. Mm. It affects all the nations around it because it says, The countryside shakes at the sound of your sailors' cries. All the oarsmen disembark from their ships. The sailors and all the captains of the sea stand on the shore. Mm. Because of you, they raise their voices and cry out bitterly. They throw dust on their heads. They roll in ashes. And then there is one funny (laughs) verse 33. (laughs) It says, "When your merchandise was unloaded from the seas, you satisfied many peoples." And I read that in my 2022 context and couldn't help but think about supply chains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. There you go. When your merchandise was unloaded from the seas, <laughs> yeah, you satisfied yeah, many yeah, peoples. People. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is
1: funny. But yeah. that's not the context. But, no, yeah. but, but now the merchandise is not being unloaded. Yeah, and um, you're right. That's yeah. why my house is still under construction. Same. Yeah. That well, so interesting. There is this lament to in that same chapter, and a couple of the verses that I have had underlined in my Bible, I think because they're so applicable, is verse 16. This is from chapter 28. And he says, "'Through the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned.' Yeah, "'I expelled you in disgrace from the mountain of God and banished you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones.' And then, listen to this, "'Your heart became proud because of your beauty. For the sake of your splendor, you corrupted your wisdom.'" And then, you know, you get down to the very end, there's that refrain at the very end of verse 23 that says, then they will know that I am the Lord. Again, I think Tyre, I mean, is like the wealthy, powerful, beautiful, full of splendor kind of place, but they worshiped all of it. And yeah. they and God, I think it's really important for us to see that God is showing himself not just as the God of Israel— here, But he is showing himself as sovereign over all nations, that mm. there will not be a nation that will exalt itself above Almighty God. That's right. And I think that that's really important. And um, can I finish that? chapter for us, yes. because I think this is hopeful. I'm like, can I can I get oh, to yeah. some hope? Can I get to some hope? Yes.
0: Um, Please get to some hope. Okay, Kelly so, Minter, take there's, us there. There's a
1: little bit of hope here. So let me pick up for us at the end of chapter 28, and this is right after the lament of Tyre and Sidon mm-hmm. and all of this. And he says in verse 24 of chapter 28, the house of Israel will no longer be hurt by prickly briars or painful thorns from all their neighbors who treat them with contempt. Then they will know that I'm the Lord God. And this is really important. Mm. This is what the Lord God says. When I gather the house of Israel from the peoples where they are scattered, Mm -hmm. I will demonstrate my holiness through them in the sight of the nations, and they will live in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. Hmm. They will live there securely, build houses and plant vineyards. They will live securely when I execute judgments against all their neighbors who treat them with contempt. Then... They will know that I am the Lord, their God. The reason I find this very hopeful in the middle of all of this is that the people are in exile now, and God is saying, but I will bring them back. And this is why—
0: I mean, the word when. It's not if I gather the house of Israel. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's— When I gather. When I do. Yeah, when I gather. It's going to happen. Because he had said previously in the Torah, which Mm -hmm. Ezekiel would have known, because remember his training— Yeah. That even if they sin, and even if they're scattered, God would be faithful to bring them back. That God had made a covenant with His people, that even His people, though they broke it, they were not able to upend His faithfulness
0: to them. That's right. And I love the Psalm 106 that's included right after that passage that you just read, Kelly, where it says from Psalm 106, verse 46... Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations so that we may give thanks to your holy name and rejoice in your praise. Mm. I mean, like, that's Mm. us always. Yes. Gather us. Yeah.
1: And isn't that a good—I'm glad you said that because isn't that a good picture? Even though God was angry with Israel and disciplining Israel mightily, but he was still dealing with their enemies. And Mm -hmm. I think as believers in Christ, there might be some of you right now— where the Lord's just chastening you. He's just stripping you. I want to tell you right now, I've been in that little season for like four and a half years in a certain area of my Mm -hmm. life where the Lord is just not letting me out. Mm -hmm. And He just keeps sanctifying, disciplining, all those things. And yet I know, though, because I'm His child, that He is going to deal with whatever is on the outside that would be coming against me. And that I do have an advocate in Jesus Christ. And Mm -hmm. I have one that stands on my behalf. And so... These pictures, we have to pull them into New Testament yeah. realm yeah. and know that we have an advocate. Even though we might be being disciplined, we might be going through a hard season, the Lord's for us, yeah. and He's going to deal with those yes. who are against us. And I even read it yesterday in 1 Peter chapter 2, where it's like those who are suffering according to God's purposes, basically, according if mm-hmm. you're suffering even righteously, He says, entrust yourself to a faithful creator. Like, basically, the Lord's got you, He's got you. yeah. And I think that, even though as hard as he's being on Israel, mm-hmm. he turns his head to the nations, and a lot of this is because the nations had been so. Awful to Israel.
0: And or the Lord's like, we just like, like high fiving each other that Israel's having a hard time. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And the Lord's like, I'm going to take care of this. I mean, you see this theme over the week. Like, I noticed when in chapter 26, when God talks about King Nebuchadnezzar, he refers to him as lowercase king of kings. Mm. And we look at Tyre, and it is like city of cities. So he's bringing down the king of kings, and he's bringing down or using the king of kings against like all of these things, like these big players, and even oh, Tyre, yeah. like, and Egypt. And Egypt, e- 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 so yeah, like if huge. if where Tyre would be like all about like wealth and commerce, Egypt is all about military power. Mm, but mm. then on day 24, Revelation chapter 21. So we're talking about cities. Verse 23, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and Mm. the kings of the earth will bring their glory into Mm -hmm. it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. It just so speaks to what we're reading here in Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. And what a great reminder. But like the bringing the nations in, it's not just like judging and shaming the nations. Yes. It's that they would know Mm -hmm. that I am the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes, The ultimate goal is not... Destruction. Yes, right. It is redemption. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Genuinely, I, I mean, I know I said it at the start of the episode, Kelly, but you were the hot ticket for this week. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the hot
1: ticket for a different week. For a different so you guys, week.
0: tell me when you're going to be like on the happy You're Like, Psalms. why didn't you invite me for
1: John? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah,
1: One of the um, narrative portions Any or, narrative
0: or gospel. Yeah. Listen, no, but this is good. This, this is, is good. I, I mean, we prayed before we hit record that we would learn, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. we wouldn't just be here to like say things that we have learned, but mm-hmm. and I have, yeah. and so like, thank you. As we go out of this, like I know, as we're winding down in time, take us to Jesus. Would you take us back, kind of, Lent, Jesus? Because we've been talking a lot about God, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And where all of this is pointing to,
1: yes. you know, we we've talked about God's sovereignty. We've talked about God dealing with His people and also dealing with the enemy nations. And so, how is all of this going to wrap up ultimately? What is all of this pointing to? We touched at the very, very top that eventually there would be this day coming where God would put his spirit in us mm-hmm. where our hearts of stone would be turned into hearts of flesh. Well, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. And I love what you all already have on page 127. You've highlighted mm. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. And it says this, "For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly." Mm-hmm. So let's just talk just for a second our helplessness. So Christ did not die for us because we earned it, because we deserved it, but because we finally figured out how to get our act together. Or because we're ethnically Jewish. Jewish, or yeah. Or, or because, because our we, parents were righteous. Right, or because we got an A on our Ezekiel paper, right? <laughs> um, no, while he, he died for us while we were helpless. That's right. Okay, and then he says, for rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so I want to pause mm. there again. God proves his love for us, not even Jesus. God proves his that's love good, for us Kelly. in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's this God in the Old Testament that we have been studying, same God that's proving his love to us through Christ. There's brokenness in the city, there's brokenness without the city of Jerusalem. There's brokenness everywhere. How is God going to show his love? Because we oftentimes think it's Jesus that showed his love. No, God proved his love that while we were helpless, while we were sinners, he sends Jesus
0: Mm -hmm. to die Mm -hmm. for us.
1: Sort of like Ezekiel is like this prophet. He's this image of suffering for all the wickedness that is going on. And then he says in verse 9, how much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath for... And I love this. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? In other words, if we were saved from sin by his death, how much more now, through his life, are we going to be changed? Are we going to be reconciled? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation, and that is Easter. And that is why we sit in these books like Ezekiel in Lent, reminding ourselves of the brokenness, of the helplessness, of the sin, and also of God's love for us—that He proved His love for us—and you know that refrain of that all would know, you know that I am God, that everybody would know that I am God. Well, now it's that everybody will know that Jesus is Lord. That's right and through through the love of His Son. And so, I think these are just hopeful notes, but it's okay for us to sit in some of this despair yeah. and darkness because it is this darkness that Jesus rescued us from.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not here to throw confetti on the book of Ezekiel and make yeah, it okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I phrase. think that it's good that, it, it, like we said, everything mm-hmm. is not fine. Mm-hmm. Everything is, was not fine in the exile, mm-hmm. right? these right. his no. darkest days of Israel, everything is not fine right now, but we mm-hmm. have the benefit benefit feels like an understatement of the year of being a people between two Advents. Mm-hmm. So we... We've been reconciled. We have been reconciled. Mm-hmm. And thanks be to God for that. Mm-hmm. And that's the opportunity that every one of us has. Everyone listening either can say, I have been reconciled mm-hmm. or that there's an invitation to them listening to be reconciled, to come to life. 100%.
1: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. He did it while we were sinners. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> every did it for the helpless us. and the ungodly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that invitation stands to, to any of you listening who... Mm-hmm. Are not reconciled to God to be reconciled to Him.
1: Yes. And that it is His gift. And it's, it's not something gift. that we have to earn or that Amen. we have to, it, there's nothing that in our past that all of a sudden, like, we're disqualified. Mm-mm. No, that's what the beauty of this whole passage is. And mm. it's really what Ezekiel's testifying to that there would be no hope unless God brings His people back. Mm-hmm. And there's no hope for us unless Jesus reconciles us to God. And it's a gift. Yeah. It's a costly gift on Jesus' part, but it's a gift that's for right. us to receive.
0: All right, well, Kelly, thank you so much for being a return guest. I don't even know; I've lost count.
1: I don't know. I love it, though.
0: I love it. You're one of my favorites to get to talk to. Well, it's it's so really fun. we've missed Amanda here today. But I
1: know. It's been I good know. To have you. But we've interesting timing that she's out
0: on. I know. This right. Passage she's like guys. Ezekiel. I don't know. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I have to get after her about yeah. that. Nice. Okay. Well, friends, next week we are going to be joined by our friend Jada Edwards to talk about Ezekiel Week Five. But until next week, Kelly, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bible. That's right.